Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Today, in our second part of our short series on artificial intelligence, or AI, we'll begin to take a high-level look at how AI actually works. But before we get to that, some listeners may have seen that an organization called the Future of Life Institute has published an open letter that calls, quote, on all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4, end quote. GPT-4 is an even more capable upgrade to GPT-3, which is the AI text engine driving chat GPT and some other AI programs that have been all over the news lately. That letter has been signed by over 7,300 people, including quite a few AI heavyweights, such as Yasha Bengio, winner of the Turing Prize, generally seen as the Nobel Prize of Computing, and one of the people who actually pioneered the type of machine learning underlying many of the amazing capabilities of contemporary AI. Also, Steve Wozniak, you know, the other Steve from Apple Computer, who was the engineer that created the stuff that Steve Jobs promoted so well. And Elon Musk, no additional description needed, and a lot of other folks who know whereof they speak when it comes to AI. The letter begins with this paragraph, quote, AI systems with human competitive intelligence can pose profound risks to society and humanity, as shown by extensive research and acknowledged by top AI labs. As stated in the widely endorsed Asilomar AI principles, advanced AI could represent a profound change in the history of life on Earth and should be planned for and managed with commensurate care and resources. Unfortunately, this level of planning and management is not happening, even though recent months have seen AI labs locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy ever more powerful digital minds that no one, not even their creators, can understand, predict, or reliably control." End quote. Whoa, that is certainly a mouthful. And we'll get to the concerns that are behind this letter in a future program in our AI series. But in order to have a better chance to understand the concerns of the thousands of people who've already signed this letter, we'd be wise to have at least a general idea of how the AI applications all around us today operate. Some of those applications include things like credit reports, safety features on new cars such as automatic emergency braking and lane change warnings, facial recognition technology, and now ChatGPT and its brethren. As we've noted on program one in this series, amazing as these AI applications can seem, they're all examples of weak AI. Advanced AI, sometimes referred to as strong AI, mentioned in the open letter, is not here yet, but these thousands of signers insist that we should be planning for it so it doesn't just appear one day when we aren't prepared to deal with it. As we also noted on the first program, we're defining artificial intelligence as a machine performing a task that would normally require human intelligence to complete. The AI we have today, broadly speaking, 
operates according to two main approaches. Applications that are specifically told what to do by human programmers, and applications driven by machine learning to perform tasks with minimal human direction or with no human direction at all, or sometimes with some combination of the two. In the first case, human programmers tell the computer what to do, and the computer performs the task often many times faster than a human, more efficiently, and without errors. An example might be telling the computer to group people according to the likelihood that they'll pay back the entire amount of a loan by making all payments on time. To figure this out, the computer might check on how many times a person looking for a loan made late payments on credit cards or an existing auto loan in the past, then calculate a disposable income based on the applicant's gross income, family size, mortgage, or rent payments, and figure in a dozen or more other criteria. Then look at how people in the area where the applicant lives with similar characteristics have paid on time in the past and calculate an on-time payment likelihood and a likelihood that the loan will be paid off completely. Theoretically, a human could apply his or her intelligence to do all those things, and possibly even do so without making a mistake, though that's less likely. But a machine can do the same thing orders of magnitude more quickly, and then do it again, and again, and again. That's one sort of AI. The other is what we now commonly refer to as machine learning. And this is the area of explosive growth of artificial intelligence over the past 10 to 15 years. There are three main approaches to machine learning. One is called supervised learning, one unsupervised learning, and one is known as reinforcement learning. In supervised learning, a computer is given access to a very large set of data of the type we'd want the computer to work with in the future. Typically, there'd be a substantial training set of data and then a smaller test set. Suppose we want the computer to be able to tell what a motor vehicle is. Maybe the computer will be used in a self-driving car, for example, and needs to identify what other vehicles are around it. The programmer would give the computer access to thousands or more images of cars, trucks, motorcycles, tractor trailers, buses, and so on. Each would be labeled, so the AI would be able to learn what the key characteristics of the vehicle are. For example, the AI might notice that they all have wheels. The AI then assembles criteria for what it thinks is a motor vehicle. Next it's faced with data from the test set, which it's never seen before. The question then becomes, how good will it be at identifying the motor vehicles in the test set, which might include various types of motor vehicles, but also dogs or horses or houses or stop signs or all sorts of non-motor vehicle images. If the AI identifies the motor vehicle images a high percentage of the time, it's ready to move to whatever the next step may be in a self-driving car, a neighborhood surveillance application, or whatever. Uh-oh. This learning of how AI works seems to have taken longer than we thought. So we'll continue with the other types of machine learning in our next episode in the series. 
We'll also, for those interested, put links to some online sites for learning how AI works for those who have no technical background, and we'll put a link to the letter that we mentioned earlier for those who might want to look at it or even sign it. Those links will be on the pages for today's program in the Public Affairs Archive at www.weru.org. The more we understand, at least in a general way, how AI works, the more we'll be able to participate in discussions about the future of AI and what it will mean for those of us alive today and for those who follow us. And we'll be getting to those very big issues as well, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.